0: Good morning and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Monica Brez,
1: And I'm Jim Swan. Monica is Communications Manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario. And Ask BBB brings you information from and about businesses you can trust.
0: We talk to business owners and managers who share their experience and insight so that consumers are better informed about products and services they are contracting or purchasing
1: This week, BBB Serving Western Ontario announced the finalists in the Business Integrity Awards and the new Spark Awards.
0: And later this morning, we'll talk to you about the annual awards breakfast to be held Wednesday, November 7th, 2019 at Doubletree by Hilton, as well as review the finalists in each category.
1: Well, you know, the, big, uh, the Better Business Bureau Integrity Award breakfast is a big event that takes a lot of planning. So if you are planning an event, big or small, you'll be interested in our conversations with Dan Knight of Day-to-Night Event Planning later on Ask BBB.
0: Our first guest today is someone who can help us prepare for an event before we even start thinking about all that detailed decor. Do we ever think about giving upholstery a thorough cleaning? Brian Kleesa is the owner of Steamers in London. Brian, welcome to Ask BBB.
2: Thanks so much, Monica, for having me. And you know what? I just want to jump in and say, you know, not only do you want to think about having us in before your events, how often is it that you have your house all cleaned up before your event, and then after the event's over, you wish you had the cleaning company in. right? Am I right?
0: That's a great point. <laughs> so
1: do it before and
0: after.
2: <laughs> yeah, the lights are darker, right, during the, during the event. It's afterwards when you go back to your, your regular life that you're going to wish you had us in.
0: Great point. So can you explain to us a little bit about what the advantages of steam cleaning are over other methods?
2: I sure can, yeah. So um, there are a few different methods uh, for cleaning, and we offer our clients uh, a wide range of different options to choose from. Usually we're the ones making that decision, but um, steam cleaning is obviously our preferred method. You know, we're called steamers for a reason. It's my favorite method because it's a way of really getting in deep into the carpet fibers, into those upholstery fibers, and just rinsing and washing everything out of there. So, you know, life happens. you got greasy greasy hair up against the back of your upholstery. You've got... um, Hate to say it on the radio, but stinky feet walking all over your carpet all day long. You know, you wear your you wear your socks for half a minute, and you're throwing them in the the laundry hamper after you're done with them. You're never going to wear those again. But think about it: how often are you washing those carpets? So
1: say, hey, how often do you think we should uh, we should do steam cleaning or any kind of cleaning?
2: I think steam cleaning makes makes the most sense to people because uh, you're washing it. You know what I mean? And you're you've got those clothes. Think of it like I like to think of it like this: so you've got you've got that clothing that you wear. Um, for special occasions, you're not going to wash that maybe after every use, you know, like that that nice blazer that you wore out for dinner, um, but maybe that pair of socks or those gym shorts you're going to wear, um, wash more often because you're you're getting them a little dirtier. Um, same idea with the carpets. So it's not necessarily the time that you're putting on them, but the miles. So I always like to tell my customers, you know, a, a year, a year in between cleanings is a good rule of thumb. But at the same time, you know, look at look at how much wear and tear is going on those carpets. If you're someone that doesn't take off their shoes, if you're someone that has uh, more than a couple pets that come in from outside, or kids that are um, running around making messes then maybe you want to think about having us in every every six months or getting it done a couple times a year
0: so you had mentioned doing you know we were talking about events before and after um, how long does it usually take to get a cleaning done and if we're going to be doing it that frequently um, is steaming better on the fiber of the upholstery
2: so steaming is a little bit more of a gentler process so i always Whenever I'm looking at a cleaning option, um, there's an acronym that I keep in mind, and that's that's Chat. So C H A T, and that stands for Chemistry, Heat, Agitation, and Time. And depending on what method of cleaning we're going to use, they're they're stronger or weaker in these different aspects. So um, when it comes to steam, we've kind of got a bit of everything. A bit of everything. We've got a good chemistry that we're using, so we've got some excellent um, spot and stain removers that we're using. Some good pretreatments, and pre-treatments are like um, when you soak your dirty dishes in a warm, soapy water before you go to wash them. Everything comes off really nice and easy when you go to do the fun, do that big cleaning. So the same idea with the carpet. So we, we use a nice chemistry um, on the carpets to loosen those stains from the fibers, so that when we go and hit it with that nice steam, it just comes off like melting hot butter. So it's it's a little bit more of a gentler process. Um, Agitation. There's not so much agitation involved with steam cleaning, so you're not damaging those carpet fibers so much because you're just hitting it with a nice light pressure sprayer, almost, and uh, and sucking it up. So it's a really gentle clean. Um, heat. So the good thing about steam cleaning is that we're able to get a nice, nice hot temperature. So not only um, are the chemicals going to work at a faster speed, but you're almost almost disinfecting the carpet. Our water gets up over 200 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's extremely hot temperature. Um, so you're killing, you're killing some some germs in there and some odor-causing bacteria, and it just and it just li- lifts the carpet fibers and lets them just feel uh, more free when it's a nice hot steam in there. So you you kind of bounce the carpet fibers back. Yeah, and how um, how long time. does it
1: how long does it take, Brian? Um,
2: oh, okay. So yeah, it's a time. So um, when we're working with steam cleaning, um, you've got everything else working in in a nice synchrony. So um, the time is a little bit quicker. So um, average cleaning takes about one to two hours to fully complete depending on obviously how much work you have for us.
1: So Brian, how long would it be before we can get back into that room?
2: Jim, that's a great question and pretty much every customer asks that one. Um, good rule of thumb is to try to stay off the carpets for about 24 to 48 hours. And the reason is because you really want to let that carpet just just stay nice and still, let the carpet fibers and upholstery fibers stay nice and fluffy so that air can get in between them and dry them. I mean, you can walk on it right away. Um, I certainly do when I get get home from work if I've done it uh, during my day at my house. Um,
0: So, Brian, are there any other methods that are effective other than steam cleaning?
2: Another method that I I do use is on a low-pile carpet, which is um, commonly found in a commercial area. And it's almost like a floor scrubber that we'll use, and it dissolves in a solution um, called encapsulation. And this encapsulation is kind of like an inverse of soap, so um, it doesn't need to be necessarily rinsed away. When you mix it with water and you scrub it into the carpet, it actually dissolves the dirt into it, And so just like when you cut a lawn and you've got freshly mowed lawn behind you, you're using this floor scrubber and walking forward with it, you've got freshly cleaned carpet with um, right behind you, and you can, and the dirtier the carpet, the, the cleaner the trail that you leave it 's really quite uh, incredible and i 've been doing it for a few years, and I still get amazed when i when I use it and I just love watching it um, happen through the eyes of my customers too um, And that process, you can walk on it right away, um, it leaves almost like a scotch like property known as a floral chemical in the carpet too, so it uh, resists resoiling and will actually stay cleaner for longer.
0: So, Brian, if we contract an upholstery cleaning service, should we expect a guarantee?
2: That's an excellent question there. Um, I think a true measure of a company is not uh, necessarily how they handle things when things go right. It's, it's sort of when things go wrong. And uh, we're definitely one of those companies that stands by our work. Uh, first and foremost, we're not leaving your house until you're 100% satisfied with the job. Um, and then at that point is when uh, you would pay for the service. And uh, that being said, even after we go, if anything were to uh, arise after we left, for example, if a smell were to come back or a stain were to resurface, uh, we guarantee against that happening. Um, big reason for that is um, you never know what um, you're dealing with when you go into a house. Like sometimes homeowners might, uh, might be new to their house and not know where existing stains are. So we go and we sort of resurrect that area, um, cleaning an area with moisture. And the last thing you want is to pay for a service and then um, have spots that weren't there before come up. So um, it's a service that we guarantee all the way through. Um, Another reason we do this, too, is we're looking to build a relationship with our customers. So not just sort of a a get in once, do a job, and get out. Uh, We want to be a company that you're calling every six months or every year down the road. And you're not going to do that by um, not standing by your work.
1: Brian, Cleza is the owner of Steamers, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus
2: rating.
0: You can find them on the BBB directory under Steam Cleaning. Thanks for taking time to join us today, Brian.
2: Oh, you're welcome, guys. Thanks so much for having me. This was a great experience. And uh, um, if anybody out there has any questions, please feel free to give us a call and uh, you'll get me.
1: All right. And we'll return in a moment with tips on event planning. And welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, who is the Communications Manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario.
0: We are joined now by Dan Knight, the owner of Knight Today Event Planning. Welcome to Ask BBB, Dan. Thanks for having me. So, Dan, can you tell us what is involved in becoming an event planner? Absolutely.
3: So, I think it comes with a lot of experience. Um, So, uh, volunteering or getting involved in the community to work on different events. But there's definitely schooling um, that you can take. Um, So, myself, I took um, some courses uh, so that I could be the best for my clients um, as I go through through any event that they uh, put in front of me.
1: What are some of the typical sorts of events that you are called on to help plan, Dan?
3: Uh, so with my business day-to-night events, I have been involved in things from fundraisers uh, to big galas to little things like birthday parties or weddings, anniversaries. Anytime there's really a gathering, um, I've been involved in getting that and helping the client stay as stress-free as possible.
0: So That sounds like a lot of variety. What would you say are the biggest challenges for an event planner?
3: I think the biggest challenge always is the keeping everybody stress-free. It's not always an easy task to do, but definitely something I enjoy and is fun doing. Uh, the other thing would be last-minute changes. That is always a big challenge in terms of Let's change this, and it's 24 hours before the event. You obviously make it happen, but uh, sometimes that can be a a bit of a challenge.
1: You know, when we have an event planner, that, you said, takes the stress away, but then how often should we expect to be in touch with the event planner uh, as things unfold?
3: So it would depend on the event. Uh, For example, if you're doing a wedding, maybe it's more of a regular touch point. I typically try to reach out, depending on the event, uh, at least once a month. If it's something that's more onerous, maybe it's a a once-a-week connection. It all depends on the client and how comfortable they feel and what the event is in general.
0: So how would you handle some last-minute emergencies? So I try to stay very
3: calm because I've learned that me being calm also allows everybody involved to be calm to the point that people get upset with me that I don't stress out about things. I think it's just remain calm and do anything and everything that you can uh, to resolve whatever that last-minute change is, and hopefully you can get a resolution to whatever you need to change.
1: When we talk planning, of course, we're uh, thinking ahead. How far ahead should we contact an event planner if that's the course we're going to take?
3: Again, it depends on the client and the comfort level. So I would say a good rule of thumb would be once you kind of have an idea that you want to have an event, I would say reach out to an event planner so that you can start the ball rolling on that event. I, for example, have worked with people that we've worked together for three years to put their event together. And then some people might come to you a month before the event and say, I've been working on this but just need some help because it might be stressing me out or I just don't have the information to get the event done on my own.
1: What what are some of the things that people doing it on their own might miss out on or need help with?
3: The biggest thing I would say is that they can't be a guest at their own event. So think about if you're having a house party at your house, it's the same as having an event. You're running around getting the food ready and all of that type of thing should be the same for an event. You should be able to enjoy and be a guest and interact with the people that you've invited to your event instead of doing all that behind-the-scenes work as well.
0: Okay, so it looks like you support people with a lot of different types of events. How are fees set then?
3: So fees are based on what the event is. So for example, a wedding would be different than an event and it would just depend on how many hours it's going to take to complete that event and I know most event planners would be in the same boat, that it would just basically figure out what is the scope of work and how much involvement do you need from the event planner, and then the fee would be uh, discussed from
1: there. Uh, What does a contract look like then, and how detailed should we expect it to be, Dan?
3: So the contract would be, I know in my case, would outline the things that I'm going to do when I'm going to be at the event. It would list things for example, if I got sick, what is the protocol in terms of that and who's responsible for getting a replacement event planner, for example. Uh, So it should be quite detailed that you feel comfortable knowing that that professional is going to be there for you no matter what happens in their life.
0: So what are some things we should look for when we choose an event planner?
3: The biggest thing I would say is finding somebody that you enjoy working with if it's somebody that you don't enjoy working with, it's going to make your process not as much fun and may add some added stress that you don't need. You don't obviously have to be best friends to the person, but I would say you've got to have a good relationship, feel that connection a little bit to know that they're going to take the ownership of the event and make the event happen for you and that you can trust them and not be, oh my goodness, I have to work with that event person again and we just need to get this event done kind
1: of thing. And, of course, we always recommend that people uh, check the BBB directory uh, and uh, start with uh, an accredited business. And uh, you, c- you certainly are there. Well, Dan, thanks for helping make uh, Ask BBB a bit of an event by joining us here this morning.
3: No problem. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Dan Knight of Night Today Event Planning, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating.
0: The finalists in the Better Business Bureau's Integrity Awards are announced this week. Stay tuned to learn who will be in the spotlight.
1: Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Brass, who is the Communications Manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario.
0: This week, we announced the judge's decision in naming the finalists in the Business Integrity Awards. The awards breakfast this year is Wednesday, November 6, at the Doubletree by Hilton.
1: Well, before we announce the finalists, can we just get an overview of the process that uh, brought us up to this stage, Monica?
0: Sure, Jim. Early this year, the call for nominations went out. Nominations came in from customers, suppliers, and even from employees who were impressed with the things the company does to maintain trust and integrity.
1: The two categories are companies with 10 or fewer employees and companies with 11 or more employees.
0: That's right. The nominees then had the opportunity to submit their submissions for judging.
1: And the submissions for consideration are very thorough, and they require the nominee to document the things that they do to maintain trust and integrity.
0: Yes. In the submission outline received by all nominees, there is a section titled Communication of Ethical Practice. And in that section alone, the nominee is asked to describe how new employees are informed or trained in the organization's ethical policies. There are nine points for expansion, and without going over the whole list, a couple of those points illustrate how, through this, how thorough the submission is and how diligent the company must be in upholding standards. For example, how ethical behaviors of employees are identified and recognized, and for them to provide examples of situations in which their organization demonstrated ethical decision-making. The company is asked to include the dilemma or problem faced by the organization, the possible choices they had to resolve the issue, pros and cons of each option, any resources that they consulted, and then the final outcome.
1: Wow. This is all reflective of the standards that all accredited businesses are expected to observe to maintain an A-plus rating. So the judges have a lot to consider in selecting the finalists. So let's hear that list of finalists, Monica. In Category 1, companies with 10 or fewer employees, the finalists are...
0: So, the first one is Custom Orthotics of London. Custom Orthotics is a private orthotics practice helping both children and adults in southwestern Ontario with physical challenges. Don MacArthur-Turner is president of the company, located at 240 Richmond Street in London, and leads a staff of six employees.
1: And Studio H Artist Group, led by CEO Heather Wenman... Studio H has maintained an A-plus rating over its eight years of accreditation, and this is the third time the company has been named a finalist. Studio H Artists Group is a group of certified artistic stylists and aesthetic specialists in London, providing hair, barber, color, and makeup services.
0: And the third finalist in Category 1 is CLC Tre- Tree Services, They started their business in 1988 as a stump removal service and since then have expanded to encompass all tree services. Company founder Kurt McCallum is co-owner with his son Calvin, who began working alongside his dad when he was just five years old.
1: And the finalists in Category 2, 11 or more employees.
0: First one is Anderson Craft Ales, a family owned brewery headed by Gavin Anderson. The London company produces small batch handcrafted premium beers that are distributed by the LCBO and available directly at the brewery.
1: Brookstone Windows and Doors, formerly Century Windows and Doors, and Century Windows and Doors provides windows and door installation across Ontario. President Ken Sherman heads a staff of fourteen employees.
0: And the last one in Category 2 is Turner Drugstore in London. Turner's has been in business in London's Old South for 80 years and is an independent pharmacy that specializes in complementary therapy options. Current owner Jeff Robb purchased the business from his father Glenn in 1987. Glenn, in turn, had purchased the pharmacy from founder Stan Turner in 1965.
1: And this year, young entrepreneurs will be recognized with the Spark Award, the Spark Award is for entrepreneurs aged 35 and younger whose businesses are less than three years old and demonstrate character, culture, and community.
0: Yes. The seven nominees are Evelyn by Nicole Snowbelin, led by founder-owner Nicole Snowbelin.
1: Nuts for Cheese, led by founder-CEO Margaret Koons.
0: Statement, Inc., led by Janice Olson.
1: Soars Bookkeeping, led by Sandra Soars.
0: Luna Life Incorporated, led by owner Nicole Kirkpatrick.
1: And Here for Her, led by founder Rachel Ettinger.
0: And 519 Clothing Company, led by Taylor Norris, co founder and owner.
1: And to find out who the winner is, we don't have the envelope here yet. You'll have to attend the Better Business Bureau's Business Integrity Awards at the Double Tree by Hilton on Wednesday, November the 6th. And the presentation of the Spark Award will be made by Allison Graham.
0: It all starts at 7 a.m. Tickets are available by calling the BBB office or online at bbbawards.ca.
1: And, Monica, that's our time for Ask BBB. Monica Braz is the communications manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario.
0: You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT.
1: And remember, Ask BBB and start with trust.